Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. We are starting a new sermon series this morning titled Hebrews, Jesus, the tagline, stating the perfect priest the superior sacrifice. I'm excited to get into this sermon series in Hebrews as we go verse by verse through the entire book of Hebrews. But the reason why I am so excited personally is because of my own conviction that I have towards Scripture. See, it is important for us to understand that the entire Bible... The Old Testament on through the New Testament, every single verse points to Jesus. Unfortunately, in my humble opinion, too often we find ourselves hearing, preaching, and teaching that has more to do with you, the individual, than it does Jesus. This is an opportunity for us to saturate ourselves in our Lord and Savior, to see how the Old Testament confirms what the New Testament says about our Lord and Savior, our Messiah, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come together this morning to worship you first and foremost because you are holy. Thank you for your work upon the cross and everything that you have done through Christ himself, Lord. Please teach us as a church, prepare us to be a body of believers who shares our conviction of repenting and believing in you with others. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. In 1952, J.B. Phillips wrote this book that you see here. It's titled, Your God is Too Small. He notes in the book that people view Jesus as basically a resident policeman. Like he only gives us grief when he's on our conscience telling us whatever it is that we're doing is wrong. Some view Jesus, he says, as being gentle, meek, and mild. A pale Galilean, he says, who wouldn't even hurt a fly. Jesus, who only died a martyr's death. And I think we know after going through our last sermon series that Jesus was no martyr. They view Jesus as a second-hand God or simply a God in a box who's nice, neatly, tidy. He's wrapped up and then you just unwrap him whenever it is that you need an answer for whatever it is that you need an answer for. Maybe you're going through something, so therefore you unpackage Jesus all nice and neat in order to get the answer that you want to hear. As J.B. Phillips says, I want to read this quote, he says this, he says, All of these are muddy conceptions of the true nature of our blessed Lord. Brothers and sisters, 
Is your Jesus too small? Is Jesus just your resident policeman? Is he simply just gentle, meek, and mild according to you? Is your Jesus a second-hand God in a box? Or do you know that Jesus himself reigns supreme from creation beginning until his second coming and beyond through all of eternity? And all of this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title states this, the supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of Christ. Today we're going to be beginning the book of Hebrews, starting in chapter 1. And today we're going to be looking at the very first three verses in the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bible, please feel free to follow along. If not, we will have all the verses on the screen for you this morning. Today we are going to be encouraged, however, and this is the one thing specifically that needs to be on our mind as we are encouraged. And we're going to be encouraged in how Jesus reigns supreme first and foremost, but also we need to understand, as we stated already, he does so from beginning of creation until now in these last days until his second coming. That's right, we are in the last days. And he will reign supreme, not just through that time period. Jesus will reign supreme forever on through all of eternity. Church, allow me to give you this one last encouragement, though. See, if we know the supremacy of Christ, then we know, in fact, that our God is not too small. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on High. Amen. This brings us to our main idea this morning, that one sentence that defines these three verses. And that one st sentence states this. Jesus had the first word in creation and the final word of revelation. Jesus had the first word in creation and the final word of Revelation. Now, that's going to make more sense to you as we move along this morning. But rest assured, that statement is 100% truth. Now, brothers and sisters, allow me to share this with you. There is no new revelation. There is absolutely no new revelation. Be leery. Be leery of those who say, well, God spoke to me or God gave me a word. Church, please, 
The only way that God speaks to me is right here. The only word that God is going to give me is right here. In fact, if I can't back up what you said the Lord gave you in the, within these 66 books, then it's not from the Lord. There is no new revelation. Starting with verses 1 and 2, it starts by saying long ago. See, this is the period of time before the Messiah. This is before we knew Jesus as Messiah. So we're starting off right out the gate by saying long ago. In many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. See, each prophecy came in various forms. God would speak through visions, angels, events, and God would, in fact, speak through people. There is evidence of this in Scripture. Again, this sermon series tagline states, Jesus, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice. See, priest means that they speak to God for man. That's a priest. A prophet speaks to man for God. Old Testament prophets include Aaron, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, John the Baptist, etc. Actually, John the Baptist could technically be an Old Testament prophet, but he's definitely by name John the Baptist, a New Testament prophet. But you get the idea. See, each received fragments of prophecy. Each Old Testament prophet spoke according to God's Spirit. Each Old Testament prophet didn't speak according to themselves. They spoke according to what God's Spirit told them to say. And each one did so in fragments. They didn't have the whole entire prophecy themselves. It was like each prophecy was one piece to a jigsaw puzzle. Each prophet would say what their piece was. They would define what the piece looked like and how it may or may not fit in to the puzzle itself. But you need each individual prophecy from all these individual prophets in order to figure out exactly what has been revealed to us now. And it wasn't until we had all these prophecies that we realized that every single biblical prophecy leading up into this period in time, in fact, pointed to Jesus, our Messiah himself. So, when we say there is no new revelation, we know that for sure because Jesus is who he is. Each one of these prophecies pointed to just that. And who is Jesus? Jesus is a representation of God's grace. That's what the puzzle, when it's all constructed and put together, revealed to us. Just that simple. It reveals through Jesus that we are saved by grace through faith, meaning our faith that we have in Jesus was a gift given to us by God 
himself. Now we are, in fact, as it says in these last days. These last days are considered to be the period of time between Jesus and his first coming and his eventual second coming that we are now waiting on. And since we now have the completed puzzle, which identifies Jesus as being God's complete revelation to us, Hebrews, we can understand, was written to the Jew because we understand this truth, but Jews today still don't. Both Jew and Gentile observe the last days both similarly and dissimilarly. See, the Jews are still waiting for their Messiah. They don't think that the puzzle's been put together yet for them. We can take these prophecies, put the puzzle together and say, Jesus, God's grace. We Gentiles understand the phrase, as it says right here, he is spoken to us by who? What does it say? His son. To us, Jesus divides history. Jesus divides history. There's before Jesus, there's after Jesus. We see the division. We understand what's going on here. And it's been said before, and this is very important for us to understand as Christians. It's been said, not by myself, but it's been said before, that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Did you catch that? See, the New Testament was concealed within the Old Testament, but now that we have every piece to this puzzle and it points to Jesus and God's grace, we realize that the New Testament revealed the Old Testament to us. And that's what we're going to see as we go through Hebrews. We're going to see the Lord use the Old Testament in order to verify who Christ was. We should be very leery, though, of any new revelation. Because anytime we say that God speaks to us outside of his word, we run a disadvantage on those who may be listening to us because we may be leading them astray. God's already told us what we need to know. Repent and believe because of who Jesus is. There is nothing outside of that that we need. Now, verse 2 reveals two aspects of the supremacy of Christ that I think we need to understand. And when we look at verse 2, it says, He appointed him the heir of all things. That means that the entire universe belongs to Jesus. The entire universe belongs to Jesus. And those who belong to Jesus are heirs according to the promise. See, the promise is that we are justified through our faith. That was the promise. The promise was that we would be made right before God because of Jesus. So if we repent of our sin and turn to Christ and believe, then we are heirs of the promise 
that we have been made right with God. We can be in a relationship with him because of what Jesus did. Now, the second thing that's said here, it says, through whom also he created the world. See, Jesus not only created time, space, matter, and energy, but he also created history. Remember, Jesus divides history. And he did all of this by speaking it into existence. Jesus is creator. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that everybody here thinks that Jesus is creator. Some of us here think that Jesus didn't come into existence until his birth. No. Jesus was around for creation. He spoke everything into existence. Brothers and sisters, we do not need further revelation. What do we need? Nothing. We don't need anything. There's not a what do we need, but rather the real question is who do we need? We need Jesus. Jesus revealed what was concealed. In any revelation outside of the 66 books that makes up this here one Bible is not a revelation, but rather a lie. Church, be careful and be leery. Jesus is the end-all, be-all. And we're starting off in the book of Hebrews seeing just that. And that brings us to our first point this morning. And our first point states this. Every biblical promise is fulfilled in the revelation of Jesus. Every biblical promise is fulfilled in the revelation of Jesus. Of Jesus. Really, this is just another way of saying every single verse of the Bible points to Christ. And I, I want to just throw this out there really quick. I hope that you never get sick of hearing the gospel here at Villa's Grace. Now, I could see those who would come in and say, you know, great people, real friendly but you just keep preaching the same things over and over again. Church, we're preaching Christ and Him crucified. If we don't get to the cross, if we don't get to Christ and Him crucified and what that means for us as believers, each and every time we preach out of the Bible, we're not preaching Jesus, we're preaching you. My faith is not in you. Your faith isn't in me. Our faith is in Christ. We will preach the good news over and over and over again because remember Paul's encouragement to Timothy, in season and out of season. In season you preach Jesus, out of season you preach Jesus. We will be about preaching the good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners each and every time we get together because the only reason why we even get together anyway is because of Jesus. 
Every verse points to him. Every biblical promise is fulfilled in the revelation of Jesus. He is Messiah. And one day, hopefully, the Jews will become our brothers and sisters in Christ as they understand that truth as well. Again, our main idea this morning states this. Jesus had the first word in creation and the final word of revelation. Hopefully that started to make sense to you. Jesus spoke the cosmos into creation. And he has the final word in revelation. That's why there's no new revelation. That's why we're not saying, well, God spoke to me. God, God put this on my heart to say to you. Well, that's, that's good, but if I can't back it up with Scripture and what Scripture says, and if what I'm saying doesn't lead to Christ and Him crucified, is it really from God? Fingerprints have been used by law enforcement. I almost feel just a little unqualified to bring this up this morning, especially with the career of Bill Murphy, who, who is with us this morning. Sorry to put you on the spot there, Bill. Maybe going to say a few things. You're going to pull me aside afterwards and say, well, technically. But you can do that when you've been investigating homicides for over 14 years. But I just want to give you just a few facts really quick. Uh, forensic experts alike for more than 100 years have actually been using fingerprints to identify people. You can almost get a perfect match, almost, if you take four fingerprints together, it can be, as you see here, 99.9% .9 accurate. 99.9% .9 accurate. It takes four fingers to do that, though. Paternal twins. We, some might think they have the same fingerprints. Some wouldn't. They both are fertilized from the same egg. They share the same genetic blueprint. They are actually indistinguishable by a standard DNA test. But any forensic expert would tell you there is one surefire way to tell them apart. Fingerprints. They don't have the same fingerprints. Church, Jesus is 100% a match to God. In fact, he is the exact imprint of his nature. And we see precisely this in verse 3. First, Jesus is, as it says, the radiance of the glory of God. See, this is the idea of emitting light, like Jesus is giving off light. Jesus emits the brilliance in the light of God himself. Secondly, he is, as it says, the exact imprint of his nature. Individual fingerprints are accurate up to 99.9%. Even paternal twins cannot be identified by a standard DNA test. But Jesus, as it says here, is the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the exact imprint of God Basically, Jesus is such a revelation of the Father that when we see Jesus, we see God's real being. Now, we mentioned before that Jesus created time, energy, space, and matter. But what we didn't mention is what we find here in the middle of verse 3. 
It says, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Wow. Jesus speaks life. And his word itself sustains life. He didn't upheld life. I know that's grammatically incorrect to say it like that, but it doesn't say that. It it doesn't say that Jesus upheld life. No, what does it say? He upholds life. The same Jesus who spoke the cosmos into creation is currently upholding what he created by the word of his power. Church, remind yourself of this truth each and every day. It is so easy for us to forget something so simple. In the midst of your trials and tribulations, remind yourself of this truth. Remember that when you hold to Jesus through the power, he holds to you. He will sustain you through no matter what it is. And just because you hold to Jesus doesn't mean things are going to get easier. It doesn't mean things are going to be better. It doesn't mean that you're going to receive anything that most others would want and now you have it. What it means, though, is that you belong to the one as an heir the one who spoke things into creation, the one who speaks by the power of his word to uphold what he created, you are sustained no matter what. And there's a question that both children and astronomers ask alike. It doesn't matter if you're a young child or an astronomer themselves. You're still going to ask the same question. Why don't the stars fall down? How is it that the stars don't fall down? See, to most, it's a mysterious power and energy that keeps everything suspended, that holds our cosmos together in its entirety. But to us, we know that everything holds together. To us, we know the reason why the stars don't, in fact, fall, the reason why the moon doesn't come crashing down upon Earth. We know that it doesn't happen because of Jesus. Because he upholds. He didn't upheld. He's currently upholding the cosmos. This is the same Jesus who made, as it says here in the text, purification for sins. I think we should understand something about that. So as Joe Joe joins me up here, let's focus on the how. As we close out, I just want to focus on the how. We've established who Jesus is, but how? How did Jesus make purifications for sin? Church, he substituted places with us. He substituted places with us. See, earlier... I think you caught it, you you hear this often, but we define the gospel as good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
He substituted places with us. See, we are the hell-deserving sinners. But Jesus traded places with us. He paid our ransom. A ransom that we couldn't have afforded to pay on our own. He paid for us. And after having done so, he, as it says, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Never prior in his pre-existing state was Christ ever co-equal with the Father. However, the same is not true of his exalted state. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he is now lifted on high, which is why we say that he reigns supreme, which is why the title of the sermon this morning was titled The Supremacy of Christ, because he is now in his exalted state because of what he did upon the cross, which means for us, we have the opportunity, we have the privilege of repenting and believing in his work. Jesus is the king of the universe that he created. Brothers and sisters, this is the good news. This is the gospel as he sits, as it says, on the right hand of the majesty on high. And as he sits, he prays and he prays for us. Isn't that amazing? The same who created through the power of his word, the same who upholds his creation through the power of his word, the power of his word also prays for us. And most importantly, because sometimes we don't even know how to best pray for ourselves, which is amazing because that tells me you can never pray wrong if Jesus is praying for you. Once again, remind yourself of that truth. No matter what trial or tribulation you find yourself going through, know who Jesus is, who he is to you, and where he is now and what he is doing for you in the midst of those trials and tribulations. The one who upholds the universe by the power of his word or the word of his power is praying for you. He's praying for us before, during, and after. Before we even know to pray for what it is that we need to pray for. During that time that we need the prayer. And the after, after it's out of our mind and we don't think we need prayer any longer, he's still praying for us. What I'm trying to say is he has us completely covered in prayer. Christ's seated position at the right hand of God is actually mentioned five times in the book of Hebrews. This is the first of five times that you're going to hear mention of that. Therefore, with that being said, this final phrase is key to the entire letter of Hebrews. Therefore, for us as believers, those of us who have a saving faith in Jesus, I want to read this quote from Martin Vincent. And this quote states this. Be associated with me in my royal dignity. Be associated with me in my royal 
dignity. Church, this is precisely what Christ is asking for us to do. He's asking for us to be associated with him. We're heirs along with him because of what he has done. And the only thing that we have to do in order to do this is receive his grace. And we can receive his grace by turning away from our sin and turning back towards God. We do this once in order to be saved, and then we spend the rest of our life doing this as we grow in a relationship with Him. If you are sitting here this morning, and you've heard mention of repenting and believing in Jesus, and you're not quite sure if you've ever really repented and believed in Him, please see myself or Pastor Jared or Pastor Steve. We would love to speak with you further about repenting and believing. And with all of this said this morning, this brings us to our second and final point. And this point is so simple. It states this. Jesus is God. It's that easy. Jesus is God. God humbled himself and took on human flesh and came to earth to die on a cross, be buried and resurrected for our sin. Again, our first point this morning stated this, our encouragement. Every biblical promise is fulfilled in the revelation of Jesus. Every biblical promise is fulfilled in the revelation of Jesus. Every verse points to Christ. And one last time, our main idea this morning stated this. Jesus had the first word in creation and the final word of revelation. He is the entire puzzle put together. Each piece points to him. Lord, I pray for us as a church to grow in the truth of the gospel, to mature as believers in you. Lord, use us, continue to use us, prepare others to hear about your good news and use us to share what we know of you and what you have done in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. Dot com.